0: welcome to the right now show this show is all about inspiring our generation people in their 20s to go out and actually go for your dream to find out what your purpose and your mission in life is and i know that you listening you are capable of so much more than you can possibly imagine and i want you to go out and i want you to make that happen and on this show we're going to bring on people that have inspired us that are absolutely just crushing it in life and have overcome insane odds. And this show is called The Right Now Show because the only thing that is truly real is this moment. Let's get into the show. Sweet, I'm here with uh, Nick Prefontaine. Um, He is a motivational speaker. He's uh, an author, real estate investor, and uh, he has quite the story. Um, And it all started with, uh, his story starts with a snowboarding accident, um, which is, Pretty crazy. I wanna I wanna dive right into that story, Nick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here with you, Zach, today. Um, I was I was at Ski Club with my friends uh when I was in eighth grade. And um on the ride to the mountain, my friends and I, it wasn't our first go-around, so we had all brought our stoneboard gear onto the bus to get ready so we wouldn't miss a precious moment once we got to the mountain. We got to the mountain and headed right straight for the chair and then on the ride up, Zach, we noticed that it was very icy because it had been raining, so people were wiping out everywhere. Uh, needless to say, that didn't that didn't uh, give us cause for concern. So yeah, uh, we got to I got to the top, buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air, and confidently charged towards the biggest jump in the terrain park with all my speed. And going out to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow. And that's really the last thing that I remember. So I was told, I was told that I landed on my head and I wasn't wearing a helmet. And actually the doctors, they were the ones that told my parents that I probably wouldn't be able to walk, talk or eat again. So something else that I learned, um, after the fact, of course, was that my goggles were the only protection that Mm. my head had. And I wore some pretty big goggles. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with snowboarding at all, but uh, spies. I wore spies. So they were really, really thick and a lot of padding. Um, So with each hit after the initial impact, my goggles mysteriously Mm. or depending on what you believe I'm uh, not right. so mysteriously I, everything happens for a reason that. That's right. what I believe. So, um, then they wanted, they actually, because of the severity of my injuries, they wanted to let, uh, bring a helicopter to the mountain to mm-hmm. rush me to the hospital. And they couldn't because it was too windy. So they, they had to send in an ambulance mm-hmm. out of the six, um, out of the six paramedics, there was only one who could intubate on the spot. And I needed that to be able to breathe. And luckily for me, he was one of the paramedics that showed up to the mountain that day. So there, there are still several things that I can't recall from the accident. Um, sure. And now I know it's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing today, which is helping other people that are going through trauma or crisis get through to the other side and be able to thrive with the rest of their lives. So yeah. One of, um, at, like I said, the, the the first thing was the goggles. Uh, the second thing was the right person showed up. They happened to be working that day at the mountain uh, mm. for me. And then the third thing, once I got to the hospital, um, I was in a coma, obviously. Mm. However, my parents knew that I was still taking information and they knew the power of the mind. So when the doctors would come into my room, to give my parents updates on how I was doing, my parents stopped them every time and said, "No, no, not in front of him." Um, mm. They knew, even though I was out, that I was still taking information. So they made the doctor step outside to share the progress on how I was doing. And
0: yeah,
1: um, in the beginning, Zach, it wasn't—it it certainly wasn't more and more positive and positive. So it was important that my parents did that. And for um sure. and, excuse me, as I mentioned once once uh, the doctor got outside with my parents, he said, "Look, he's probably not going to be able to walk, talk, and eat again, and even if he is able to make it out of his coma, there's a good chance that he's going to need twenty four hour care for mm-hmm. the rest of for the rest of his life. Wow, and my parents did didn't accept that as so many patients do as a death sentence. So they mm. they took the information, thanked the doctors, and then allowed this allowed me to treat it like any other situation. This was no different than any other challenge that I'd faced up to this point in my life. And what this allowed me to do was as soon as I was aware of my surroundings and the work that was left in front of me, I got up, I did the best that I could. And I kept getting better every day. Wow. Now, this support was instrumental in laying the foundation for the rest of my recovery. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was starting to use the very framework that would help me to overcome and achieve any obstacle throughout my life. And that's the STEP system. Uh, Mm. STEP is an acronym that that we created and I unknowingly used. So it starts and I'll give like a 10,000 foot overview. Right. Um, the the first one S in step is support. You got to make sure that you have the support of your family and friends right from the beginning. Of course. This, this frees up so much of your mental energy to focus on accomplishing your objective. And then T is trust. Trust that once you take your first step, the next step is always going to be available to you. Um and this also starts with trusting yourself. So yeah. once once you have this, you recognize that you have this desire or calling inside of yourself, you get to follow it. E is energy. Um, maintaining your energy allows your body's natural ability to be able to heal itself. And we are all born with an innate knowing inside us that keeps us healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, medication has the potential to get in the way of that. And finally, P is persistence. Uh, once you've taken your first step, keep getting up every day and taking your next step. Uh, like I said, that that's just a high level overview. And at the end, I can if um, yeah. any of your listeners are are interested in that, I can let them know where they can go to learn more about it. But um, sure. after as soon as I could communicate, because at first when people hear I have to learn how to walk again, they they're like, oh, OK, you have to learn how to walk again. Mm-hmm. I have to learn everything again. So wow. I, everything from talking, like I wasn't able to talk in the beginning. Wow. So as soon as I was able to communicate, my goal was to run out of the hospital. Now, what parents wouldn't want for their kid who had just, who was just in a, a snowboarding accident, they wouldn't, of course, they wanted me to make a full recovery. But I heard in my head, and I've always been good at listening to this voice. I heard this voice in the back of my head that said, "No, you're you're not only going to make a full recovery; you're going to run out." Mm-hmm. So then, that became our common goal. Um, so everyone, all the all the uh, doctors and therapists, all had that common goal, and we had weekly meetings to keep everyone pulling in the same direction. Um, and after running out of the hospital, if you just fast forward a little bit, it wasn't like my work was done. Uh, I had to continue to go to outpatient therapy for another six months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: along with being tutored all summer long to continue on to high school with the rest of my classmates. Um, you might, you and your audience might understand this more than anyone when right. you're young. When you're younger, um, time is compressed, so. Like, especially when you're a teenager, Mm -hmm. like 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, 18 months or 24 months, two years is a lifetime. At the time, I didn't really realize it, but um, 18 months after running, after um, like finally getting done with outpatient rehab, I started, I was in a family real estate business and I started to ask my dad how I can help and how I can be involved. And what they were doing. And right around that time, they were starting to play with the idea of having a bird dog, if you will, I guess you could call it, um, okay. go and knock on the doors of um, the homeowners that have received a notice or default letter from the bank. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was like, absolutely, I want to do that. So I, it was only 18 months after finishing my rehab that mm-hmm. I was going to some not so good areas of, of uh, Pretty rough areas of cities to be politely, uh, to put it politely, um, and knocking on their doors. And I was doing like 50, 60, 70 doors in a day Mm. uh, because I had to to go to school uh, during the week, unfortunately. So I would only do it on weekends and holidays, but I didn't even realize it. It was a part of my recovery, um, going door to door, helping people out of their unfortunate situation um i say i didn't realize it up until last year maybe a year ago or a year mm-hmm. and a half ago i had a mentor point out to me that she's like wait so after running out of the hospital like less than 24 months you were knocking on the doors of distressed sellers that hadn't paid the mortgage she's like that's that was part of your recovery right and I'm And like oh yeah i guess i guess it was so um then after that i Got out of high school, graduated, and then got my real estate license. And, uh, drum roll, please. Um, uh, there you <laughs> go. Um, uh, March, of, March 8th of 2008. I know, great time, uh, to get your real estate license. The world was, I guess, for lack of a better term, the world was, uh, collapsing at that point. Mm, uh-huh. uh, and with, uh, defaults and the banks and all the craziness that was going on. Um, so then then I learned how to, that was the only reality that I knew, um, making a living and helping buyers and sellers in that environment. I had everyone else, all the other realtors around me were right. complaining, just lamenting on how the market isn't the same as it was in 2006. And it was so easy. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I just, this is the market. This is the only market that I know. This is the market. So... Um, I was a realtor, successful realtor for several years. And then around 2014, when I was still a realtor, my dad, um, said he needed help with the properties that he was getting. Uh, he was buying, he was starting to buy on terms, um, which is non-conventionally, um, meaning he didn't have to bring in a bunch of investor money or sign personally to get these homes. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, So like uh, lease purchase, uh, owner financing, close on it with subject to or owner financing. Those are just a few. However, he was getting them though. He would always be selling them on a rent to own. So I came in, helped him with the marketing. And then as a result of the marketing, all the buyers started calling. So he needed help with someone to handle the buyers. So he asked me if I would help. And more and more, I came around to the idea. And then in January of 2016, it just didn't make sense for me to keep my license anymore. And I let it go and right. joined joined him full-time. And now um today I I still work with all of our rent home buyers that are at one point or the other in their process. Um, in addition to helping all of our associates all over the country to um work to sell all the properties that they're getting, that they're acquiring on terms, uh, to sell them all on a rent to own and bring the buyer through the same process or a similar process that we brought them through um, to ensure that when they get to the end of their agreement, they're gonna be able to get their own loan.
0: It's amazing, man. I wanna bring it back to the the snowboarding accident um, real quick, because I mean, obviously your story is super inspiring. But, you know, when you were in that hospital in that situation and you just had to take like one step at a time, did, were there any you know times when you like lost like all hope?
1: Yeah, the, this is a this is a great question. So it was early on in my recovery uh, because, as I said, my parents didn't let any of that outside noise yeah. come in, infiltrate me. So um, it was very early on in my recovery. This is important to mention that I always had someone with me. So Mm -hmm. that was part of my support network. Um, I always had someone with me. So my mom or her parents would be with me during the day. And then my dad or my grandfather or my uncles would come in and spend nights with me. So I always had someone with me. Uh, Early on in my recovery, I was still in a wheelchair. I still really wasn't that audible. I wasn't Mm -hmm. like it was only whispers coming out. And I would go to therapy. I would wake up. I would need help from my physical therapist and occupational therapist teaching me how to shower again. Um, it's it's something, it's it's not a glamorous thing, but it, I had yeah. to learn everything all over again. So I would do yeah. that. Um, then I'd have breakfast and then I had physical, occupational, and speech therapy, after which you broke for lunch. Now, I was at one of these lunches in my hospital room when a moment of doubt crept in and um, Maybe, maybe someone had said something to me, um, to me prior, Mm. um, actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was just, it was on one of these breaks, the lunch breaks in my hospital room where I was in a wheelchair and just looking over my situation. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I turned to my mom and I asked, am I ever going to be able to walk again? And she said, of course you are. That's what we're doing here. So you can get everything back and we can go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gave me the confidence to keep going forward, even when I didn't have it. Right. And this, this was so important because I I don't think there was a moment of doubt after that. Like she gave me the confidence to keep going forward. And that's all I did uh, every day up until that point And after that, is just get up every day and just deal with what's in front of you, and work and go to therapies, go to, I had double sessions of those therapies, physical, occupational, and speech therapy. Mm-hmm. I would just go to work every day. And then after therapies, I would ask if there was more exercises that I could be doing that will help get me to my common goal, uh, our common goal faster. And uh, right. that, that's what I did. That's one of the extra things that I did.
0: Do you think uh, if you did not have that support system of your parents, like how how different do you think that process would have been for you?
1: Well, that's why it's the first letter. Uh, yeah, in it's so important um, that you have that support letter. Uh, support letter. No, jeez, support support <laughs> network up. support yeah. system because um, and I think a lot of people will hear me say this and will think, oh well, I don't I don't have a. I, I'm not close to my family. It's just me or whatever. S- support doesn't just have to be your family, and that's one of the things that that I talk about in the in the ebook step, um, which is um, I'm going to tell the listeners at the end how they can get that. It doesn't necessarily have to be family. It can be anyone who's who's close to you. Um, for a lot of people, it's, it could be a close friend or a neighbor that's always been around and, um, is showing up, uh, when no one else is. And because it, they're thinking a lot of people are thinking it's only, it's going to be family, family, family. They don't see it, but mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone there. You just have to be open to it being someone other than, um, your family. Right. That's one Not of the, that's sure. one of the things that I talk about in step.
0: For sure. Now you, uh, I see you wrote three books, you're a best selling author. Um, tell me, you know, how, how you got into being an author in the first place. And what are those three books about?
1: Uh, the books, geez, the books, the uh, new rules of real estate investing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, uh, believe it's 20, 24 leading experts all share. Now there's all different niches in real estate. Um, our niche are buying and selling creatively or creative real estate. I tend to think it's it's the best, um, obviously, because that's what I'm doing. However, it, it doesn't work for everyone. So yeah. that's uh, that that book's all about sharing different perspectives from uh, 24 leading experts on how they're able how they're buying and selling on terms. Um the second one is the revised edition. Of uh, the real estate on your terms, I was I was actually um, intimately involved in that in writing that, and it's really my dad. My dad's the author. However, I was the I was a contributing a uh, uh, contributing factor to that. In okay. that I went through and I don't want to use the term edit, but I went through and and just gave notes on how we can improve it and how mm-hmm. we can add things. So that tells his story, like his story of how he came to um, buy and sell properties on terms. And dating back to 2008, when I shared an office with him, a small office uh, in Newport, He, we were both doing different things. So um, we weren't necessarily doing the same thing. However, I got to for, I think, four years listen to him. And because prior to the crash, he had signed personally on, I think it was 22 or 23 loans. And after the market crashed, Mm -hmm. um, all those lenders came back at him and because he personally guaranteed everything. Mm -hmm. So I got to listen to um, him get hounded by the lenders um hard moneylenders um all different type, types of people bill collectors all calling him he'd be on the phone for probably till about two o'clock every day from the morning till about two o'clock just negotiating uh workout deals with all these people and uh one of the things that really impressed me and that's the real estate on your terms that's uh that's his that's uh, our book and um that really tells his whole story and, uh, how we buy and sell in terms. What well, things that really impressed me is he could have easily uh, just folded up shop and declared bankruptcy. No one, no one would have faulted him um, because the market, the market crashed. However, one of the things that really stuck with me is he worked out a deal uh, to make all of his, every single one of his investors whole um, and never, never just worked his way out of it and never, never took the easy way out that. So many people did during that time and after the 2008 crash. Um, so that, that's just a high level, uh,
0: yeah. high level overview of those. Would you say your dad is like, uh, one of the biggest
1: mentors in your life? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Absolutely. What was, uh, still, what was, we still, we still share an office, although he's not here oh, wow. every day, but, um, we, we, we do talk daily and, um, yeah, we still share an office.
0: That's amazing. What was uh you know before the snowboarding accident? What was what was childhood like?
1: That's a really good question. So, I would say before my snowboarding accident, I was actually having a conversation. This is interesting. You you brought this up because I was having a conversation because I was the uh, closing day one keynote speaker for the Brain Injury Association of Maryland back uh, towards the end of March. Hmm. And um after me sharing my experience and my story and the step system and um really having having fun with it um because I got 60 minutes to just tell all these stories, outrageous stories and yeah, I just had a lot of fun. After that, uh we went I went out to dinner with the guy who brought me in, Brian. Um, I think he's the president, or one of one of the higher ups in the, in that organization, and also one of the the keynote speaker that spoke in my spot, the day one keynote speaker from twenty twenty two, and I have never connected with anyone that I've been able to relate to. Meaning that before, prior to my accident. I was involved in premier everything. I was in premier soccer. I was, um, the bet, one of the best snowboarders within two or three years. Um, like within two or three years of me, Mm -hmm. like uh, everything I was, I had like, um, one of, one of the most, uh, the prettiest girl in school I was dating and like, like everything for me was like. I was flying high. I was, I was, I had tons of friends, everything. I was, I was super, super involved. And then when I got my accent, it was all taken away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've never been able to relate to someone that had that similar experience. He was now, I wasn't in college when I got my accent, but he was 19 when he got in his accent. He -hmm. was a collegiate athlete and he was just telling me we were sharing because when I got in my accident, um, we we're, we were, he had a girlfriend too, when he got in his accident, and I, like, so did I, as I shared and, and we were just sharing just, just differences. And he's like, yeah, it, it took me a while to realize it, it wasn't her fault for, dea- for dealing with that the way she did and everything. And I was like, Oh my God, I've never been able to talk to anyone like this. It was, uh-huh. it was, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, I think I probably went off the rails on that, but, but that was, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that was, that was, that was my experience. Oh,
0: that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's a, it's quite the story, man. That's, that's pretty crazy. Now you're a motivational speaker now. So you took like all that, that you went through and now you're, you're speaking to, are you speaking to like high schools? Are you speaking to at events and stuff like that? Is that what you're doing?
1: yeah um i spoke like i'm speaking for people that are a lot of a lot of uh, brain injury associations
0: okay uh,
1: because obviously i got into brain injury like i had a traumatic brain injury a tbi mm-hmm. so i i've been contacting a lot of brain injury associations and say hey if you have an event or a workshop or a monthly call i'd be a perfect fit my story and Everything I developed is a perfect fit for your audience. Um, then, like last weekend, I was in Detroit um, speaking for the Dysphonia International um, Association at their symposium, which we haven't even touched on, but back in two thousand and twelve, I developed a voice issue. So dysphonia is like problem with your voice that that's kind of what it means. So, um, for years, I've I've been donating to that organization, and uh, back in 2012, I developed a voice issue. I just didn't know what it was. I was searching everywhere for what was going on, and then finally, I found it. And I would say, um, in August of 2013, I started getting Botox injections um, into my throat to relieve the tension that I the, the muscle tension that I developed there. And, um, I had to get Botox treatments for seven years, um, in conjunction with, um, with voice therapy from their specialized, like, um, the specialized voice, uh, therapists there. And, um, that was, that was a journey. Um, but I've got, I've got through it. And my last Botox injection was back on February 13th of 2020, um whereas for the previous 7 or 8 years i had to get botox treatments every um it started out every 3 months then it it got to every 6 months and um now i don't have to get them anymore which which is uh which is amazing
0: that's great and
1: now i'm sharing like for example last weekend and i i share my my story and um what i had to go through with that and just the mindset you have to have going Going through it, and I—I I feel like I had so many people come up to me. I had a woman come up to me in tears afterwards, saying, mm-hmm. saying that I really, I really helped her, and I gave, I gave her hope, and I gave a lot of people hope. I had like ten or twenty people after I spoke come up to me, and then afterwards I was in support uh, breakout groups and just helping people in their journey as they go along with navigating first having a voice issue and then living with it and right. getting to the other side it's, it's um it felt so good to me uh, to be able to do that.
0: It's amazing man. Now your accident it was obviously very extreme but I think there's a lot of kids that are in high school they maybe they're going to try to do professional sports and they have that extreme injury whether they tear their ACL or maybe it's something extreme like you. What advice do you have to tell them you know to get back up from that injury?
1: Just keep going. Uh, Just keep going. I think when, I think a lot of us, and especially people that have had an injury, whether whether it's just an, an injury to like a bone or a muscle or anything they're dealing with in life, I think there are so many people out there that get paralyzed. They get paralyzed with like, not the actual paralyzed, like a paralyzing injury, but they get paralyzed by fear and they don't know what to do. So they do nothing. Yeah. And I think that's the kiss of death. That's the worst thing you can do, Zach. Yep. Um, because you you gotta do something. And then when you're in action, when you're in motion, you're always gonna be led to your next step. Um, but you gotta do something no matter I remember every day, and I've used this throughout my life, every day I did something, no matter how small, towards my recovery. Um So I was building that unstoppable momentum doing that. Now, going back to a year ago, when I was working one-on-one with my mentor, uh, going through her one-on-one mentorship, Mm -hmm. uh, she said to me, Nick, I don't know if you realize you're doing it, but you're doing the same thing that you did, like recovering from your accident. I was every day for... Gosh, I think it was eight months. I did something every day, no matter how small. And because of that, at the end of our time together, she said that you've accomplished more in um, eight months or seven months than most people accomplish in five years because I just did something every day, like no matter how small. And I was building that momentum and that uh, habit, I guess you will. For sure,
0: was you that, had, was, that
1: yeah, was that mentor? Yeah, uh, was
0: that mentor a a real estate mentor, or was it like more like a coach, like a life coach kind of thing?
1: No, not a real not a real estate mentor. Um, okay. Or for speaking, and she was the mm. one who helped me launch, fine tune my message, and she was the one who helped me pull it out of me. She mm. pulled, it wasn't easy, but she pulled sure. it out of me, what the heck I did and what I've done throughout my whole life. And the result is this step system. So, um, that she helped me with that. And then she she was the one who helped me launch Common Goal a year and a half ago.
0: Right. So So, uh, after, like when you're like speaking on stage and you're like motivating people, how does that feel?
1: It's my, there's nothing like it. Um, it's, it's my, it's my passion. You can tell when, I mean, real estate. Yeah, I've done it my whole life. It's, it's what I can talk about, but then. When it comes to my story and helping people that are going through, like going through an event or a trauma, I just, I light up. Um, It was, it was absolutely amazing. Like I touched on a little bit uh, last weekend in Detroit, um, speaking in front of that audience because of the feedback that I got. I had, I had mm-hmm. people coming up to me, like I said, like in tears or mm-hmm. telling me that I really affected them. Like, I, there's nothing like it, Zach. I I mean, doing that and it's not a, when I first started this journey, I, I think this is, this is, I don't think I've shared this on a podcast, but when I first started this journey two years ago, because I had a consultation with my mentor, Trisha Brooke, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago to say that uh, like i want to i want to start like point me in the right direction i want to i want to start like developing my crafting my story and uh fine-tune my message and what should i do kind of thing when i started two years ago my feelings were me 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 not in a bad way that that's all i i had a calling to in the back of my head to you have to be sharing your story, and you have to be helping others that are going through adversity. I had that calling; I've had it my whole life. But once I had that conversation with Trisha two years ago, um, there has been no voice in the back of my head saying that I have to be. I have to be doing something else. And I think, and this really hit home for me this past weekend in Detroit, that. I was so, as recent as a few months ago, I was concerned with, am I saying the right words? And what, what am I doing? And, oh, I messed up eight words, so it wasn't as good as I could be. My focus is 100% off of me and out of my own head and it's on the other people. right? Uh, and it's on the impact that I'm making on the other people. And right. I think because I'm doing that, I know that the universe, God, uh, whatever you call it, uh, will take care of me. If if my focus is on impacting lives and helping other people that are going through trauma, I know I'll be taken care of. The materially and the financial rewards will take care of themselves as long as I'm continuing to help people that are going through a, a trauma or a life challenge in their life.
0: That's beautiful, man. Now, like before you get on stage, like do you have those butterflies still or do you kind of have you kind of like gotten over that? Or do you ever get over that? Are you always kind of nervous when you get on stage?
1: I don't like to term it nervous excitement. Um, I think it's excited. Yeah, it's excited. And um, this is interesting because when I when I start, yeah, I, we all feel that if you don't yeah. feel that you're not human.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: However, I think this it was evident for me in March, um, like a month, a month or a month and a half ago when I spoke in Maryland um, and it was evident for me when I spoke in Detroit that when I first start, I'm like, you have all those nerves and you're mm-hmm. you're excited, but you're like, it's like a struggle to get the first couple sentences out yeah. and then when I really get into the meat of it and I get like I've been going for like five minutes, that's where the fun starts. Right. I I really I have so much fun um, just sharing stories and uh, anecdotes and humor because I naturally look for the, the humor and everything like what's funny about this. Mm. So my keynote is just me telling stories of. When I was in the accident and um, when I was in the hospital, excuse me, um, and like all little things that I did when I was in the hospital to kind of always be thinking what was what's funny about the situation. And I think it it um, when you're always focused on what's funny about the situation, yeah, nothing can ever be. Doom and gloom are serious because when you always focus on what's funny, like you're not focused on how bad anything is. You only focus mm. on what's what's funny and and um, how you can laugh about something.
0: Sure. For sure. Do you have any other advice? Like, say someone is an aspiring speaker, they want to go up on stage someday. Do you have any advice for like the, the aspiring speakers out there?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not a speaker coach, so... Yeah. For that, um, I'll plug my mentor. That's uh, Trisha Brooke. That's uh, Brooke is B-R-O-U-K. And I definitely encourage anyone to uh, that's interested in speaking to check out her website. She's amazing. Uh, Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, Brook B-R-O-U-K. And um, she has several things on there, like master's classes that you can get signed up for for free on there as well. Perfect. And I don't make a referral fee, by the way.
0: So I should. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I saw, I I clicked on your website and there's something about common good. What is that all about? Common Common goal. goal.
1: That's my company. Yep. Common goal. Okay. So, um, and where that came from is, I think I may have touched on this. They, my parents wanted for me to make a full recovery. And when they said that it was before I could really talk and it was only like whispers coming out, but I heard in the back of my head, no, you're going to run out. So then running out became our common goal. And we had weekly meetings uh, with everyone. Uh, So we are all pulling in the same direction. That's um, all the therapists, all the doctors, like, what are you doing this week? What's your goal this week to Help Nick get to the common goal, his common goal of being able to run out of the hospital. So now we work uh, with clients to help them identify their common goal and help them achieve it.
0: Is that almost like a like a North north Star, so to speak, like something you're like shooting towards? Like that's your point B. Is that correct?
1: That, that 100% that's what you're shooting for. Because when I got for in sure. my accident, that's running out was my common goal, was our common goal.
0: Yeah. So became, when you got in that accident, were you constantly like visualizing in your head like what it would look like when uh, when you were out of the hospital and you're kind of just doing your thing, almost back to normal, that kind of thing?
1: I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, no. Interesting. I was just focused on what was in front of me, mm-hmm. um, and dealing with what was in front of me to the best of my ability every day, right. uh, mm-hmm. every single day, and that. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound, um, actually, you know, I don't know how this is going to sound. So, um, I was only focused on getting up every day and just dealing with what's in front of me and doing the Mm -hmm. best I can after doing that for, uh, 90 days, um, for instance, just to throw something out there, uh, you get, you start to feel it. Uh, Meaning that even though you're building that momentum, you you start to start to like starts to wear on you, You start to get a little a little tired. And it's important at that time to listen to your own body, Mm -hmm. not just not just push through and keep going because that's your ego talking. You got to keep going. You got to every day you got to do something like there will become a point um, in any endeavor where doing something every day will You'll reach a point of diminishing returns, and you have to take a break for for one day, and then re- and recharge your batteries to keep going. But that's important because it's not a finite rule that you have to every day for the rest of your life. Everyone needs needs to recoup um, needs. Yeah. So even if you're going through something, and you find that doing something every day is you you need. You need at least twenty four hours to kind of reset. Uh, don't feel like you can't do that because you have to be doing something every day. For so sure, that's important. That's like after ninety days, I would say.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's in anything. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any ah uh, any other people besides your uh, your speaking mentor and your dad that have really inspired you? Any big mentors, or have you been to any like super big events, like like Tony Robbins, for example?
1: This is uh, interesting, and I think I, I have I have talked about this in my writing. Um, mm-hmm. So I post it like on my social media and things. Um, there was a mentor, there was a mentor that I had. I was actually involved in a coaching program. and um, not the head coach that was back in back in 2008 uh, when I first got my license. I if you can see a theme here,
0: yeah.
1: Um, it's that whenever I start something new, I I always get a mentor. That that's one of the things that we always mm-hmm. that we always teach all, everyone to do. So important. Um, and I I practice what I preach. So one of the hit not necessarily the head guy, but there was there was one of his coaches, uh, Danny Griffin. And I really struck up a relationship, a friendship with Danny, um, more than just a coach, even. Mm-hmm. Um he really became a mentor to me and um he w- I was luck- luckily he's very close to me. I'm in Newport, Rhode Island. He's on the Cape in uh, Hyannis or Hyannisport. So I would go and see him a couple times a year. I would shadow him for the morning and then we would go to lunch. I would always try to buy but he would never let me do that. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I get a lot out of that relationship and, um, that friendship and I really learned a lot and it was during my, during my formative years. It was when I was 19, 20, 21, 20, like I really got a lot out of our relationship and I still use things that, um, that I learned when I was working with Danny.
0: Sure. Now, um, I want to dig into real estate a little bit because I know uh, some people. Can I,
1: can I give you his? Yeah, let me give you his stuff. So he's yeah. since branched off. He's uh, the Realty Classroom.
0: Realty Classroom. Sorry. So I think
1: he's on. I think you can find him on um, like any of the social medias or Facebook or um, maybe just the Realty Classroom. The Realty Classroom. Sorry, I can't yeah. talk. Dot com. Yeah, he's amazing.
0: Perfect. Now, for people that want to get into real estate and they haven't yet, they're get, just getting started. What kind of advice would you give them to, you know, just just get their foot in the door?
1: Yeah. So if there's anything that I said that um, interests you about how we're buying and selling properties um, creatively without using, um, without signing personally or bringing in a bunch of investor money, um, If you're interested in learning about that, you can go to our website, smartrealestatecoach.com. And if you scroll down, you can get registered for the free master's class that's going to teach you all about our trademark three payday system and also how we buy and sell homes on terms. Um, And by the end, you'll be able to determine if it's a good fit for you because I'm not promising to be all things all people. Um, however, if it does wet your whistle, so to speak, uh, you'll have an opportunity to, um, get the QLS home study course at the end, which is kind of our foundational course, um, where we still use it, uh, day to day. Like we have our associates that are, that are doing like eight to 10 deals that still go back there and reference it, um, for materials and checklists and things that we put into that. So we load that up.
0: Perfect. Sounds perfect, Matt. Um, so pretty deep question for you. Um, I'm going to ask you in two different ways. Um, what is your purpose? Like, what is, what is your best way of helping people?
1: My purpose? And I think I've already touched on it. My purpose, my purpose is to, um, lead other people that are going through a trauma life challenge or adversity, help them get through that trauma to the other side. And that's where the limitless potential lies.
0: Mm, I love that. They'll be,
1: to, they'll be able to thrive with the rest of their life once they're through that but it's getting through that that um that we help people with
0: for sure how do you get so clear on that purpose
1: how did i get so clear on that purpose wow okay um i would say investing um investing in myself um uh, because let me just throw this out there so The when I had that first call with Trisha um, two years ago, she said to me, I said, All right, what what should I do? And she said, You should do the speaker salon. I said, What's the speaker salon? It's her, um, her like incubator, speaker uh, incubator, I guess you Mm -hmm. will, where you commute to New York City for six weeks in a row. And you get to perform on stage at the Triad Theater. I was on stage for six weeks in a row, from well, five weeks. The first five weeks, um, mm-hmm. from ten to two, um, really crafting my my talk and getting it dialed in, including stage direction and everything. Um, and then the final week was the showcase, the speaker showcase, where we had an audience come in and everything. That was that was twenty five thousand. So she. She said that what, what I said, what, what should I do? And she said that I said, all right. And between what I had and putting a little on credit cards and things, I I could handle that. I could get that done. Mm -hmm. Then during our time together, um, she said Zach that, um, she specializes in working with speakers to help them build out their platform and kind of take them to the next level. That was halfway through the speaker salon and I met with her on this and she said the commitment to that's 75000 And I said, yes, I just don't know where I'm going to get that money. You got to give me a week to figure it out. So um, six days later, I, I figured it out, sent her the money. And um, so I'd say investing in yourself, because when you invest in yourself like that, there's no there's nothing that's, there's nothing in me that's going to say, yeah, okay. I tried it. I'm I want to just go back to real estate. Like this is something that I'm doing as you, as you hear by my passion and, um, my belief in what I'm doing with common goal. This is something that I'm doing for the rest of my life. And the, the commitment comes from investing in myself. Um, because when you make that kind of an investment in yourself, it's not really something you're just gonna leave on the shelf and say, yeah, I tried it, it, didn't work for me, kind of thing. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna work until until it works. I'm gonna figure it out and it's already it's already paying dividends, it's already working, which is amazing. It's amazing.
0: Where do you uh where do you see all this going? Like what do you what do you think the future holds for you?
1: Um so I see myself right now. I'm speaking to a lot of uh, organizations and uh, primarily brain injury associations. However, I see this. I see this going. I'm speaking once a month right now. Okay. I see myself in probably three to five years speaking uh, two to gosh two to three or maybe even more than that times a month, um, and doing it all over the world. Uh, mm. all across, all across Europe, all across the U S doing, doing what I did. And this isn't for a selfish reason. So this isn't yeah. to me to say, I want to do it cause I want to travel kind of thing. I know if I'm able to do what I did this past weekend in Detroit, if I could do that every weekend, I would be, I'd be complete. Like if I could touch that many lives and help mm. that many people, yeah. um, I would feel like I'm living my purpose.
0: I love that, man. That's so awesome. Um, so I like to play a game at the end of podcast. It's called How Deep Will You Go. Um, it's a it's just a fun game with a bunch of cool questions. Are you down to play it?
1: Yeah. I'm awesome. ready. Um, what is on your mind right now? Just I'm just I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like with everything going on, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface and I'm just getting started. And mm. it, it's very exciting.
0: It's awesome. What has life taught you recently?
1: That you have to listen to that inner voice.
0: Mm. What do you think that inner voice is? Do you think it's your intuition? Do you think it's God? Do you think it's your heart? What, what would you call that inner voice?
1: Yes. I think it's all of the above. Yeah. I think I it's all of the above.
0: Oh. Um, what motivates you in life?
1: Again, I think we've already touched on it, but, um, leading, leading other people and all throughout my life, I've unconsciously done it. I've just been attracted to people that are going through their accident, like, or their whatever they're going through, but try, it's usually trauma, um, mm-hmm. and helping them like all throughout my life, people, anyone that's got an accident, anyone that's been dealing with something that, oh, you got to talk to Nick. Like, it's just, it's, I've naturally done that my whole life. So um, I feel like now I'm putting it into action with almost like a business plan, more yeah. focused thing, and I'm doing what I've what I've always been meant to do.
0: Mm, love that. What's a what's a pet peeve of yours?
1: I try to be understanding. I try to let things go. But um I guess you could say when someone says no, you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a pet beef. I'm. I. I just. If something bothers me, I get to work on myself.
0: I love that. Um, If you could compliment yourself, what would you say?
1: I'm never gonna stop. Never going to stop. Like there is not a. There's not a point in time where, like I just said, where I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know, I tried this speaking thing. It doesn't work. So I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just, it's not that it's, I'm just, I'm going to keep going with it.
0: Right. It sounds like, uh, you don't do plan B's like throw the plan B out the window. I'm only doing plan A. Is that right?
1: That's accurate. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Um, what is something you're grateful for and why?
1: I'm grateful for everything, Uh, literally everything. And one of my coaches, my current coaches, my energy coach, she said to me that I have a after I've been working with her for almost three years now, she says, or I think over three years now, she said that um, you have just such a high degree of gratitude, like I'm grateful for literally everything in my life. Uh, first and foremost, my health. But uh, my health, um, my apartment where I live. I live in downtown Newport. Um, mm. it, it's amazing. My family. Uh, they're, they're, I don't think we don't. I don't think we have enough time to, to go through all the things that I'm grateful yeah. for. I'm, I'm so. Um, I'm just happy. I'm. Ha- I'm grateful that I'm that I'm following, following my calling of um, helping people that are going through trauma and uh, helping them get through to the other side.
0: It's Amazing. Do you think that accident that you had, do you think that made you more grateful in life?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That that's why that's why my coach made that comment to me. Yeah. 100 mm. percent It just changes your uh good god. Your perspective.
0: Yeah. That's amazing, man. So uh where can uh for the listeners, um, where can we find you? You know, website, social media handles, all that good stuff. Uh
1: yeah, so you uh can go to to download the free ebook step which is something that we talked about, you can go to nickprefontaine.com forward slash step. And that's going to teach you all about support, trust, energy, and persistence. Um, then as far as social media, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. So those are the two social media platforms that I'm on. Um, that, that's all I'm on for now. Um okay. <laughs> I know there are there are a lot of them, but uh yeah you gotta you gotta manage your time, right? For sure, man.
0: Awesome. Well man, it's been uh, truly an honor. Your story's super inspiring and uh thanks for taking the time to
1: come on with us. Always oh, a blast. You're welcome, Zach. That was fun. Awesome, man.
0: All right, man, signing off.